thought to themselves, this guy would have no interest in the things of God. But I think we would be very wrong to assume that, wouldn't we? We should be slow to believe that about our our neighbors and our friends. You know, I think often people would be willing to have a conversation about Jesus if we were to bring it up. People might be more willing to come to church if we would simply invite them. I remember a few years ago, this kind of came home to me. I was asked to do a funeral for a man that I'd never met before. He was loosely connected to Highland Park Prez, where I was serving at the time. And so I planned the service with his two sons. And one of his sons was a little bit gruff. He was a little rough around the edges. He was actually somewhat notorious um, as a, a real estate broker who is known for being very cutthroat. Uh, very much um, kind of a, a bully in the way in which he went about making deals. He was very successful in real estate, but he was pretty ruthless in how he went about it. In fact, he was the only person of whom I've ever had a comment uh, after a service from somebody else. Somebody actually came up to me after the funeral, and they said, wow, I never thought I would see that guy in a church, which is not a very kind thing to say about uh, someone, but it does speak a little bit to his reputation. But you know, in the, in the week before that service, um, there was a guy who came to me. He was also in the real estate world. He was an older man. He was a very committed follower of Jesus. He wanted to see me. He came to my office. He said, look, I heard that you are doing this funeral. And he said, I just want you to know that I have been praying for this guy's son for years. I've been praying that he would come to know the grace and the forgiveness and love that are found in Jesus. And so if in the course of preparing for the service or after the service, you get a chance to share Jesus with him, he said, do not duck. Don't miss that opportunity. Even I know he can be a little bit rough, but don't miss that opportunity. So, so I, I officiated the service, and afterwards I noticed this guy was kind of standing off by himself. He, he, he looked kind of more visibly uh, emotional and moved, so I, I came up to him, and, and I don't know if it was the effect of, of saying goodbye to his dad uh, or if it was just being reflective on his own mortality, uh, but there was, a, there was a softness. There was a humility that wasn't there before, and we started having a conversation, and, and I asked him, I said, hey, could, could I give you a book to read? And he said, sure. And so I went back to my office. I grabbed a copy of The Prodigal God. That's my favorite uh, book to give to anybody um, to explore Jesus or anybody who just wants to dig deeper into to who Jesus really is. And so I gave him that book. And, and you know, he, he took it. He said he would read it. He actually ended up meeting with that other real estate broker. The two of them met together and discussed it as he read it together. I can think of friends over the years that I've invited to church. It it, it took me a long time to work up the courage to invite them. I never thought they would come, and they came. So so we don't want to assume that somebody, just because of their background, just because of their their behavior, um, doesn't have a spiritual interest. God has put eternity in our hearts. And, And I want to speak, if there's anybody here today who would not identify as a follower of Jesus, I want to speak to you just just for a moment and say this. You know, sometimes I think um, it's easy to have this assumption that the way in which people come to to really find God or to follow Jesus is that that happens in moments where your life is falling apart, when you're desperate, when you hit rock bottom and and your life is unraveling. That's when you, you come to find God. 
But, but I think if you, if you look at your life now and you say, well, yeah, there are issues, there are problems for sure, but it's not unraveling. Life is not falling apart. And you would think to yourself, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get serious about Jesus or I'll really try to find out more about Jesus um, only when that happens, when I really am desperate, when I really need it. Um, I, I would say that, that that's probably a faulty way to approach Jesus. Um, are there people who find Jesus in moments of desperation? Absolutely. But, but I don't think that's actually the best place from which to really explore who Jesus is. Because when you're desperate, you're, you're willing to take any help that you can get. Sometimes you're willing to, to believe maybe anything, and, and therefore, in a way, you actually might be more gullible, more willing to believe in Jesus just because you think it could be potentially helpful to you. But, you know, there were throngs of people around Jesus throughout his life who loved him. They were very excited about Jesus, but they never had a life-changing encounter with him. You want to know why? Because they were just interested in what they could get from Jesus. They weren't interested in Jesus himself. And in a way, Zacchaeus, I think that, 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 that he actually um, is in a better position um, because he's open. He's just open to who Jesus might be. You know, there were some crowds of people. They were excited about Jesus because they thought he could help them. They thought maybe he could drive out the Romans. Maybe he could, he could feed them. He could heal them. But there were Pharisees. They were completely shut off to Jesus. They were closed. There's no way he could be the Messiah. But Zacchaeus is open. He wants to see Jesus. He wants to find out more. And I think he's a great example then to us, he's a great example to our friends. Don't wait until your life is falling apart. Get in the sycamore tree and start looking into who Jesus might really be. And if you are a Christian here today, let me just say this. Um, don't you know that that's the same thing that we need to? That we need to see Jesus. We need to see more of Jesus. We need to use every power that we have every day to try to, to push aside our preconceptions of who Jesus is and to want to see him more clearly. And the great thing is we don't have to get up in a tree in order to do that, do we? All we have to do is open up God's word and to pray and to say, God, would you help me see Jesus in a fresh way? And so first, we want to encourage our friends, we want to encourage ourselves to start by looking at Jesus. Second, second lesson that we learn from Zacchaeus is we want to encourage our, our friends and our neighbors not to allow other people to keep them from seeing Jesus. You know, why is it that Zacchaeus is unable to see Jesus when he wants to? Well, it's because of the crowd. The crowd of people keeps him from being able to see Jesus. Now, some of you might say, hang on a sec. I, I, I paid attention when we were reading that scripture. Doesn't it say that he couldn't see because he was short? You know, maybe you know the Sunday school song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And you think that's the reason. That's why he couldn't see because he was short. Now, let me just, let me just tell you, I'm not an especially tall guy. Uh, my hopes of NBA glory were dashed when I was in the third grade. <laughs> but here's the thing. The great thing is when you're, when you're not especially tall, if you're taking a group picture you know, sometimes people will let you move towards the front and the taller people will stand in the back. Or if you're in a big gathering of people and you're shorter, people who are taller will let you move through the crowd so that you can see because they can see over you. But you notice nobody does that for Zacchaeus. 
The crowd, they're not going to let him move through. They don't want to move for Zacchaeus. Why? Because he's a tax collector. Some of you say, I don't want to move for the IRS either. They take enough of my (laughs) money throughout the year. But you know, we've talked about this just a a couple of of weeks ago. In Jesus' day, tax collectors... They weren't just the unfortunate, you know, people who had to have the job of collecting money legitimately for the government. These were the the, the men who bid for the franchise right to collect taxes on behalf of the Romans. And so Zacchaeus, he was in this role as a chief tax collector. So what he would do is he would collect this exorbitant amount of taxes for the Romans, upwards of 90%, and then everything beyond that that he collected, he got to keep. And so he was taking his cut in a lot of different ways, probably using violence and extortion and lying and cheating and stealing to get money from people. When you think tax collectors, you should think, you know, mafia leader, um, drug lord, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a, maybe a pimp or, or kingpin. That's the role that these tax collectors were in. And more than that, who were they collecting these taxes for? Remember the Roman government. The very people who had come and invaded Israel, who had stolen his countrymen's fellow, you know, their liberty, who had oppressed them. Sometimes the Romans would just crucify a thousand people outside the city gates to remind everybody who was in charge. And what did they do with all the money that they collected? Well, they paid for the very army that would keep the various parts of their empire subjected to them. And so Zacchaeus, he would be considered a traitor, a collaborator, We said that lepers, uh, people with skin disease were feared, but tax collectors were absolutely hated. They were despised. That's why the crowd won't move to let Zacchaeus through to see Jesus. That's why in verse 7, we're told that when Jesus goes over to Zacchaeus' home, everybody starts mumbling. They start murmuring and grumbling and saying, this man has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And you can just hear the disdain and the contempt dripping from that word sinner, can't you? That judgment, that condemnation, he is a sinner is what the crowd say of him. And to apply this to our neighbors and to our friends, don't you know that one of the major reasons why so many of the people in our lives want nothing to do with Jesus is because maybe they've been, they've been exposed to that same kind of judgment, that same kind of self-righteous way of using that word sinner that we see with the crowds towards Zacchaeus, where we use that word sinner to, to differentiate ourselves from other people. We say, you're a sinner, meaning I'm not. We use it in a way that can beat other people up, um, that tries to, to shame them for not sharing our same beliefs and practices. And there's been a lot of that self-righteousness, a lot of that judgment throughout the history of the church. And I think that keeps a lot of people from wanting to really explore and to see who Jesus really is. But notice with Zacchaeus, he doesn't let the self-righteousness of the crowd keep him from looking at Jesus, does he? In fact, he actually finds a vantage point from which he is able to see Jesus, not through the crowds. He's able to look at Jesus directly up in that sycamore tree. 
And the same thing is needed for us to be able to, to get past the ways in which Jesus' followers or those who are around Jesus or who claim to follow Jesus don't live out that faith inconsistently. We need that direct vantage point to be able to look at Jesus. How do we get that? Well, we go straight to the texts. We go straight to the Gospels. And I, I knew a young lawyer once who had no background in the church. He thought that Christians were very um, self-righteous and judgmental. Um, but he agreed to read the Gospel of John with me. As we read through the Gospel of John, one of the things that was so striking to him is that Jesus is so critical of religious people. He's constantly uh, calling out the kind of self-righteous um, judgmental uh, behavior that we see in this crowd towards Zacchaeus. So we want to encourage our friends, don't let self-righteous people who claim to represent Jesus keep you from seeing Jesus. But, but at the same time, you know, don't let the ridicule that you might feel from other people keep you from seeing Jesus. Did, did you notice that Zacchaeus, did, did you see what he does when he can't see Jesus? He runs he runs to the tree. And, and some of you know this, that in the first century Jewish world, if you were a wealthy person, which he was, if you were a prominent person, which he was, you do not run. Right? Some of you know the story in Luke 15 when the father runs towards his lost younger son and just how humiliating, how ridiculous that would seem. The father who represents God, he doesn't care, right? Because he wants to be reunited with his son. Zacchaeus, he doesn't care that people might laugh at him. He doesn't care that the crowd might ridicule him. He doesn't care how undignified he might look. He runs and then he climbs into a tree. I mean, just think about it. People already hated him. Can't you imagine the kids pointing at him and laughing at him? Maybe making fun of his height because now he's got to be up in this tree in order to see, but he does not care. And always, if you're going to get serious about exploring Jesus, there's always the risk of ridicule, isn't there? maybe from your family members, maybe from your friends. There's always some way in which Jesus doesn't fully align with the culture or time in which we live, and so there's always the risk of some ridicule. Um, I heard this, this guy share his story um, on, on Monday in a meeting about how he became a Christian. He said he was a senior in high school. He had no interest in Jesus prior to being invited on a high school uh, church ski trip. Uh, so he went on this trip, and he said in the course of the trip, um, God was working in his heart, and he was actually brought to a place where he, he trusted uh, Jesus as his Savior. He said, but when he came back from that trip, his friends came over to his house. They'd heard about this. They didn't believe it. They wanted to talk some sense into him. They were like, did you really become a Christian? I mean, were you sleep-deprived? Were, were people pressuring you into that? Was it just an emotional uh, sort of uh, a mistake? And, and you know what he said? He said that I've gone through my whole life alone. And he said, I realize I don't have to go through life alone, that there is a God who loves me, who forgives me in Jesus, and now I have a way bigger family than I ever did before as I've been brought into this Christian community. So you might think it's laughable, but no, um, this is for real. I've trusted Jesus, and I'm sticking with that. And he would look back and say that's his best decision that he ever made. So we want to encourage our friends not to let the risk of ridicule keep them from exploring who Jesus is. We want to encourage them not to let the self-righteousness of other people keep them from exploring who Jesus is. Because if they don't find out who Jesus is, then they're going to miss out on the life-transforming message of his incredible 
grace. And, and that's the third point. That's where we're going to conclude this morning. How do we help our friends and neighbors to encourage them to understand, just like Zacchaeus, this incredible message of grace? Did you see in verse 5, when, when, when Jesus comes to that place of the tree, it says, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and received him joyfully. And when they, the crowd, saw it, they all grumbled, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But did you notice those three very important words? Stay, um, welcome, at guest, Stay, receive, guest. All of those words, what do they convey? Hospitality, right? And more than just Jesus going over to have a meal with Zacchaeus, it's as if Jesus is coming to, to move in, to stay for a little while. He's gonna be there for a few days, really engaged, involved in Zacchaeus's life. And we've talked about throughout this series in the ancient first century world, to share a meal with somebody meant even more than it does today. That it was a sign that you were saying, I identify with you. I accept you, I embrace you as a friend. I wanna have a relationship with you. And you see, that's why the crowd is so scandalized. They're so indignant, shocked that Jesus would wanna have a relationship with somebody like Zacchaeus, given his background. I remember a few years ago, Brandy and I went to prison. And I wanna say we were there of our own accord. We went willingly uh, but we were there for this, this program that, that Brandy's company supports called Prison Entrepreneurship Program. And so we were um, having breakfast with some of the inmates before the um, program started. And I was talking to this one guy, and he asked me what I did for a living. I told him I was a pastor. Um, he said, I need to talk to you. He got very serious. So we were sitting there just one-on-one, -on -one, and, and, and he said, you know, I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of. I've hurt a lot of people. He said, I killed a, a Border Patrol agent. Um, that's why I'm here in prison. He said, but I grew up Catholic. I, I, I heard about God. And, and so now I'm going to some of the, the services in the prison. I've started reading my Bible and I'm trying to clean up my life. I'm trying to, to be good uh, for God. I told him that's wonderful. That's, that's amazing. But I said, have you ever heard the story of Zacchaeus? He said, he'd read that. And I said, you know, the thing that amazes me about the story of Zacchaeus is that, you know, Zacchaeus as a tax collector, you know, he, he probably committed some violent crimes. Um, he, he probably extorted people to get money from them. This guy had a rap sheet as well. And yet when Jesus comes to Zacchaeus, what does he say to him? Does he say, Zacchaeus, if you'll stop cheating people, Zacchaeus, if you'll clean up your life, Zacchaeus, if you get your act together, then I will come over and share a meal with you. No. Now, what does he say to him? He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Today, I love you. Today, I want a relationship with you. Jesus says, I already died for all of your sins. You know, Zacchaeus was up in the tree. Jesus went up on another tree, didn't he? And he took all of our sin upon himself on that tree. Jesus says, I've already forgiven you of all of your sin. I've given you a perfect record of righteousness in exchange for your rap sheet. I love you. I forgive you. I want a relationship with you. And of course, over time, when you see that, your life will change. But I'm coming to your house today, right now, before you can clean yourself up. And Jesus says that same thing to you and me. And it's so important Friends, don't miss the order of his grace. 
We need to help our friends not to miss the order of grace. Because every religious bone in our body says you gotta clean yourself up first. You gotta prove yourself. You gotta earn your way into God's love and grace. Jesus says, no, I'm coming to your house. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And it's in response to that grace that Zacchaeus does change, doesn't it? And his heart is so overwhelmed by Jesus' surprising, incredible acceptance of him that he says, okay, I'm giving away half my possessions to the poor. If I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to repay them, you know, four times whatever I defrauded them. He is changed, and he's freed from the idol of money. He was enslaved to money before. He looked to money to tell him that he mattered. Now he knows that he matters to the only person who matters, and that frees him from that love of money. Now money becomes an instrument that he can use to love other people. And he's filled with joy and his life is transformed by this incredible grace. And that's the grace that we want to help our friends and neighbors to understand. And that's the grace that you and I need to receive and to believe once again today as we come to the Lord's table together. Would you pray with me as we come to the Lord's table? Our Lord Jesus, we thank you 